0: 2020 is definitely the year for payroll transformation. So so some senior leaders won't even be thinking about it. It's typically one of those processes, as long as it's working, no one's really gonna be looking at, at changing anything. But we recognize that it is going to need to change. So, so payroll managers can start preparing their senior leaders that this is coming and that they need to start thinking about the future. And that might mean budget. So business cases are also going to be important for that. But I think essentially it's just getting that mindset of, OK, let's get some quick wins going.
1: Welcome to the Payroll Podcast with your host, Nick Day. Find out what it takes to truly discover what it takes to elevate your career within payroll as we meet with the industry leaders who are shaping the industry for tomorrow.
2: Hello and welcome to The Payroll Podcast. My name is Nick Day and I wish I was bringing this podcast to you in slightly better circumstances. We are, of course, all confined to working from home as we experience this COVID-19 crisis. We're in unprecedented times. And I must say that we recorded this episode with Helen Armstrong from SilverCloud HR prior to the Covid-19 crisis. However, I didn't want that to delay me bringing it to you because I think while we all work from home in our different offices within our bedrooms, kitchens, sheds and other locations as well, it's actually a really good opportunity to perhaps take our minds off what is an incredibly pressured time at the moment and just have a listen to the world of, or the future world of work as Helen Armstrong sees it, We talk about the digitization of payroll, we talk about automation, and actually many of these subjects have probably never been more relevant than they are right now. When I know that many of you, in fact most of you, would have had to have adjusted to a working from home scenario in record time. The agility that the payroll profession has shown over these last few days and weeks has been absolutely phenomenal. Many of you have had to get to grips with moving entire departments so they can work from home, setting people up on MS Teams, using technologies like Zoom and Cloud Call and other bits as well. It's been absolutely phenomenal watching the speed and the efficiency that the payroll departments all over the UK and the globe have been able to adjust at record time to make sure that the employees within those businesses that you support get paid accurately and on time. And that doesn't even include the rapid changes in legislation we've seen to things in the UK such as SSP, furloughed workers, delays to IR35, and all whilst we have year end just around the corner. So. For me, I want to give you all a huge, huge round of applause, a huge pat on your backs for continuing to put the work in under really, really pressured circumstances. I wish you all every success in getting those payrolls run accurately and on time. I hope you're all healthy and well. Please do try and stay safe. And um, I hope if nothing else, you can sit back, relax and try and enjoy this Really, really good episode with Helen Armstrong, who is CEO of SilverCloud HR, a leading digital HR and payroll consultancy that work with UK and global businesses of 50 to 10,000 employees, where she helps transform their HR and payroll processes. It would also be remiss of me while I have the opportunity not to mention that I'm also founder and owner of JGA Payroll Recruitment. We're a specialist payroll recruitment agency and it's a difficult time for recruiters as much as it is for the many, many industries affected by this COVID-19 crisis. So if you are listening to this and you do have a payroll recruitment requirement, be it on a temporary contract or permanent basis, then please do reach out to me at nick at jgarecruitment.com. We are fully set up for video-based capability interviewing and onboarding. Anyway, that's enough for me. Let's go straight to the podcast and let me welcome you to Helen Armstrong of SilverCloud HR. Five
0: quick questions. So I started my career in HR 20 years ago, makes me feel very old, but um, <laughs> I kind of fell into what I was doing, really, because my first actual HR role was with Suffolk County Council at a time where they were just being entered into a joint venture with BT to form a new company called CSD. And the idea of that was that um, BT were going to throw a whole injection of money into the county council to spend on technology to revolutionise what they were doing in terms of HR and finance and all the other support. So I started my HR career with that mindset of okay, how can we do this cheaper and better? Um, And as a 24-year-old, I didn't really realise that that meant headcount reductions at that point. But um, that's been my focus from an HR point of view all my career is looking at how how do we deliver a service in a much more efficient and effective way, giving the end employee a better experience. So I worked in in-house roles for many years doing that, and then moved to London and was doing more of the same. And I was starting to get so many people coming to me saying, "Do you want to come and work for us and do you know look at our processes, look at our technology, look at ways we can do things better?" I started to think there must be a business in this, um, and so Silver Cloud was formed in 2009, and we've been going 10 years now. So for the first few years, it was just me, but now there's like 18 of us, and we're looking at digitizing HR and payroll across like the whole remit from looking at what the roadmap should look like for a business, helping them choose technology, um, helping implement it, making sure that they're fit for the future, all those kinds of things. It's all really exciting. Um, but obviously, in the 10 years we've been doing it, things have changed considerably. So you know, it, never, it never stays still. It's always something new. That we need to look at, but but that's how Silver Cloud formed effectively. So we're now supporting lots of customers, typically up to about ten thousand employees with any part of their technology journey. Really fantastic! I know that so I came across you
2: guys at a payroll technology conference where we were very much talking about the future of payroll, and um, that was when I was introduced to, to Silver Cloud. I know that you know, certainly recently you've been much more heavily involved in payroll-related sort of implementations and, and, and projects. What's your involvement at the moment then on the payroll landscape side of things? And how do you see the current payroll landscape and its place, I guess, within business at the moment?
0: Yeah, so you're spot on. I mean, for the first half of our journey as a business, things are really starting in HR. And if you look at the 10 years we have been working across HR and payroll, we've seen so many changes with HR. So we've seen lots of, um, you know, Trends towards HR becoming more strategic and how do we do that? To offshoring, all the shared service centres, looking at centralising HR and then more recently decentralising again. There's been lots of phases for HR, but actually from a payroll point of view, things have stayed pretty much the same, and we haven't seen a lot of change within payroll. It's very, um, you know, static, and it's still very much seen to be a back office process that might be outsourced to a bureau, um, but it's still very manual and it still hasn't got visibility within the business of being that value-added service that it really should be. Um, So I think HR um, payroll's always always taken a bit of a back step. And, you know, if you compare that with the world today, we need to look at that. We need to look at how employees are managing their money. So, you know, you don't look at your bank balance anymore and have to wait for your monthly statement to come through. People are expecting to see their bank statement in real time when they go onto their phone. Um and they're doing everything in real time. So they're shopping online, they're watching tea on TV on demand on demand. Everything's, you know, as and when they need it. But payroll really hasn't kept up with that. Um, you know, I don't know if you've seen some of the um, mobile banks that are out there like Monzo, they're helping people manage their money through, you know, obviously first and foremost it's on people's phones, but They're doing some really cool stuff, like allowing people to build pots of money so that they can separate their money out into pots for bills, pots for holidays, um, and just helping with that management of it. And they're also paying people early, so they recognize that the whole bank transfer process is quite old-fashioned. So they know from their system, the minute a a money transaction hits their system, that the money's coming, so they can pay people early, because they know that it's going to be hitting the bank at any point. So some companies out there doing some really cool stuff, but... Payroll technology just hasn't kept up with that. So it's still very much either a monthly or a biweekly process where people don't actually get to see the output of that until it's finished um, rather than before.
2: We're certainly seeing some changes. Admittedly, probably over the last twelve to twenty-four months, in particular, things have really, really ramped up. But you know, on the payroll podcast over the last twelve months, we have started to have conversations about blockchain in payroll, and that you know the, the benefits of that technology, which has already been utilised on the HR side of things. We did a podcast with Peter Griffith and Wagestream, which is very much talking about that pay-on-demand uh, experience. And obviously, they're one of the companies that are offering that. So at the moment, how, do you, how would you see the industry, the payroll industry, in its current form? And, and equally importantly, what are you seeing employees asking for going forward?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really an exciting time. And like you say, with the whole blockchain and RPA, robotic process automation, things are really starting to change. So there's been a real change in terms of where we get engaged with companies. Two years ago, it was very much we need to fix HR and HR data and we need a source of proof. Even just the last 12 months, there's a lot more people starting their journeys by saying we need to look at payroll and something needs to change. Um, And all these um, notions of pay on demand and real-time pay all starting to feed through. So that's really exciting. I don't think CIOs and CFOs necessarily understand what that means at the moment, but it's definitely coming. Um, But employees are starting to understand what that means for them. And we started looking at robotic process automation about 18 months ago. And you talk to like a generic RPA expert about HR and payroll. And the first thing they say is that payroll is the ideal candidate for RPA. Um, So 12, 18 months ago, we were talking about how RPA could sit on existing systems and automate all that manual entry and and run run your payroll for you but actually now we're seeing um, software on the market that has it built in so you are able to run your payroll in real time the minute you open your payslip you can see it it's been run you know what you're going to get paid at the end of the month and that's really exciting and what that means is you can then choose when you get paid as well so things are really going to start ramping up in the next 12 months and for us internally we've just gone live with our own RPA led payroll system so we now have payroll in real time and um, can do pay on demand because we very much have a practicore breach. So so we're actually seeing how it works and it's it's a real game changer. It's really quite exciting. Um, And I think it's going to get some traction.
2: Imagine it must be quite exciting being, you know, in a business like yours is, which is, you know, very much an agnostic, independent advice service on the selection and implementation of HR and payroll systems. So presumably, on that basis, you're kind of at the forefront of seeing what businesses and which different providers are offering different types of solutions. Uh, what what are the most, I guess, um, forward-thinking type solutions you're seeing at the moment? Or what are the biggest changes in terms of what used to be provided? even only 12 months ago to what you're seeing now, is, is it mainly around that RPA piece? Or are there other elements that you know, perhaps the, the industry should start to get excited about or at least start considering about going forward?
0: There's a lot about the RPA and pay-on-demand, obviously. I think we're much getting much better at integration as well. So 18 months ago, we were being asked for integrated HR and payroll systems, so everything was within one system. There's not many of those on the market that are really good at doing that. So we're seeing lots more systems on the market that are best of breed and they're just being built. as a really good payroll system, but they have some some really amazing integration capabilities so they can integrate data in and out. And because of that, they also have some really good reports. So, you know, there's not many good payroll systems on the market that are great for checking national minimum wage, for example. Um, We work with a lot of companies that are doing a lot of spreadsheet work, kind of check where they are with that. We're seeing some, some good capability that can run things in real time and actually identify if you've got a problem before you start paying people. So all those kind of initiatives are going to really be a good value add for payroll people as well as the real time pay and, and the automation. We want to get payroll people away from the manual entry um, and the spreadsheets. Sh- they should have pools that help them do their job. Yeah, and it's coming. It is coming.
2: Well, we're seeing the changes from a recruitment perspective. Obviously, we specialize in payroll recruitment. So we're seeing that in terms of the types of roles we're now recruiting for as well, which uh, have changed significantly in the last sort of, 12 to 24 months. You know, we're getting a lot more uh, payroll analysts, uh, even, even machine learning type uh, you know, developers and architects uh, related payroll positions, which are, are completely new to what we've done before. So we're definitely seeing shifts uh, on that side from a recruitment perspective. So people do need to, to prepare for it, I think. I think it's, it, it's definitely changing. I think what's quite interesting, what you just mentioned there, and hopefully this is a, a real positive point for the payroll professionals listening to this is, you know, you mentioned at the start, um, Helen, when you talked about you know your, your background in HR and, and where you've seen payroll since you started SilverCloud as potentially being a bit more of a back office function. And certainly the uh, the less important function when compared to HR typically within business. Hopefully now, if we are coming away from the, 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 the combined HR payroll system and people are looking at best in breed type software... That's a, a recognition that I would see as a recognition that payroll departments now and payroll functions are, are giving you know, a little bit more, uh, I guess, it, see as you mentioned, CFOs and CIOs are starting to realize actually that payroll is a really important function. And actually, if we can streamline, streamline it and improve it, then you know, that's really going to have a, a, a direct effect on our bottom lines, and hopefully that means that it's going to raise the profile of the industry as a whole. If it's not always seen as a back office function, has its own systems and its own departments, and it starts to have, you know, real impact on on bottom lines as a result of its automation software, that's a I would say that's a really positive thing for the payroll industry. But there are a lot of people scared of RPA. So what would you say about the future of the industry in terms of what people should, you know, how people should be perceiving the industry?
0: yes exactly so i remember being in a conference at the back end of last year and it was a payroll software and they were announcing their roadmap and they mentioned real-time pay was coming in possibly two years that's a long way away and i could i could sense the scaredness from the payroll people and there's lots of sharp intakes of breath and the guy next to me said i am never happy. um so and you know it's just not knowing what that means i think there's a lot of nervousness around losing control and the rpa and um, automation means you're going to lose control over, over what that payroll's doing for you. But I think once they see it in action and there's some more case studies out there and you can talk to more colleagues that have done it and been through it, there won't be that nervousness. Um, and then absolutely, it's going to really raise the profile. I mean, I know for myself as a business owner, I didn't ever even think about this before, but I'm saying to my finance manager, what's payroll going to cost me this month? And she can't actually tell me until she's run it. Whereas with real-time pay, I can now get that information a month earlier because I can see what it, what it's going to do. I mean, obviously, you've got lots of shift workers and things slightly different. But for us, I've now got that data a month earlier and I can manage it throughout the month. So if things are going to be slightly more than I was expecting, I can adjust either way. So they're the kind of conversations that in, you know in a much bigger business, those payroll managers are going to start being able to have with their CFOs. And starting to look at trends and the more reports get better, the more data payroll are going to have to actually speak to the business and use their knowledge to actually provide the value that they should have been doing all along. Rather than just being the, the people behind the computers that are typing in the data and then pressing a slip to go live. Um, that's absolutely not what we should be doing. So it's really going to change everything, I think. And other industries have been through the same. It's just data.
2: I mean, everyone's after data and everyone's, uh, you know, selling services on the back of it. But I guess, as you mentioned at the start, that the proof was in action, right? And you've actually launched your, you know, as part of your service offering to cloud now, you have a payroll service as well. So I guess that 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 shows that, you know, you're committed to, to the payroll industry because you see it as a growing market. And, and certainly from a technological perspective, we're seeing a number of new solutions and SaaS companies and everything else sort of come to the market. So obviously, other people are seeing the same opportunities, which I think is a real exciting time to be in payroll at the moment. We've never seen so much change. And it's, uh, it's all seems to be quite progressive change, which which I think is great. So as the expert, Helen, can you explain some of the more common or key issues that perhaps digitization or automation can solve. You've mentioned a couple of them, like the, the manual entries, but is there anything else perhaps we haven't considered?
0: I think one of the things to mention that is quite important is how we're attracting new talent into the, into the industry. Um, you know, we work with a lot of payroll teams and it tends to be people that have been in those roles for a long, long time. You don't often find someone that's new and been keen to get into payroll. People normally fall into payroll. So, what I'm hoping is a lot of this automation and this change in the way payrolls run will make it a bit more exciting. It will make it a bit more techie and it will attract a different kind of person into the industry because it's as you know, it's really hard to find payroll people. There's not many of them out there. Um, so I'm hoping automation and a a bit of a change will bring in this new talent. I really am. Um and yeah, that I mean that's gonna be a game changer. I think definitely, I mean we see a lot of companies that we, they, they talk a lot about accuracy rates and it's really important, but we were working with a company last summer and their accuracy rates were almost a hundred percent. It was amazing. But when you look at what they were doing for that accuracy rate, I mean, they were basically almost double checking every single calculation to make sure that it was accurate. And they had a whole team of people doing that. I mean, the, the amount of cost saving you'll get by not needing to do that and by having some real automation and, um, you know, RPA led processes, the cost saving for a business is going to be massive. So, if you look at what benefit it's going to bring, it's going to bring some real competitive advantage to a business. If they can cut the cost of that admin down significantly, it can only be a good thing. Um, And also, if, you know, in terms of competitiveness, if your competitors start doing it and you don't, you're going to need to change to do it. So, um, that's definitely something that we're going to need to be looking at. Obviously, another benefit is the change of the role for the payroll manager. It's going to make it a lot less admin um, focused and a lot more strategic. But obviously, we don't, there's not, not a lot of use cases out there to know how it's going to work. So there are all these wonderful checklists of things to say what benefits it will bring, but it will bring downsides. I don't think we necessarily know what those are yet. Um, and it will make mistakes. So I, I think it's, you know, seeing how it works actually in practice and then. Hopefully the software vendors will adapt as they pick up on these things that need improving, but it won't be right first time. Um, it's just one of those things we're going to have to keep an eye on, I think.
2: I think you've raised some really, really good points. Talent management and, and talent attraction in particular is definitely one. And certainly we're seeing that as a, as a challenge, as a recruiter is something that we, you know, clients are looking for new talent in particular there are some you know, a lot of good things happening we've got a payroll apprenticeship scheme now which a lot of you know, more and more businesses are taking uh, taking use of and I do think technology will encourage more people to come into the market and I think that's something that certainly here on the payroll podcast we're really keen to promote you know payroll as a career choice um, certainly earlier in people's decision-making processes and I think you know the fact we you know, as we get closer to technology I think that will become more attractive for people we've had uh, max der Clisper Sink talk about why payroll are really good good career choice uh, on the podcast and he talks about you know you get the best of everything. It's the best of HR you get to involved in technology you get to you know really make a difference to to businesses and, and and how economical they are so there's loads of things to for a payroll career to offer an individual and I think as you say it's sort of getting that message out there to encourage more of them to come in so I think that's quite exciting I think that's a really really good good point that, that, that you've raised and hopefully that's something that will excite people about about some of the changes that are coming If I was a payroll manager listening to this right now, though, and I think, okay, perhaps my processes are a little bit manual and perhaps I haven't embraced technology like I should have done. And and suddenly, before I've known it, I'm behind here because all of my competitors are starting to do this. Where do I start? What's the next step I should be taking now to say, okay, I recognise I can make some changes. I recognise I can improve process and potentially save costs. What do I do now?
0: Yes, payroll managers, they need to start looking at their processes now and seeing what they can change. I think one of the best ways to do that is to start treating it like a project and pulling a bit of a project plan together to do that. As we know, there's never any time alongside the day job to do things. But if you can actually plan some, some time to start looking at processes, that's one way that you're going to be preparing yourself for this new way of working. And if you can bring in people from other teams that have been through similar journeys, then that's always useful. I think the other thing payroll managers need to do is start raising raising awareness with their senior leaders of how payroll is going to change. 2020 is definitely the year for payroll transformation. So, So some senior leaders won't even be thinking about it. It's typically one of those um, processes, as long as it's working, no one's really going to be looking at, at changing anything. But we recognize that it is going to need to change. So, so payroll managers can start preparing their senior leaders that this is coming and that they need to start thinking about the future. And that might mean budget. So business cases are also going to be important for that. But I think essentially, it's just getting that mindset of, okay, let's get some quick wins going What can we look at first? Let's make some small improvements before we even think about the bigger ones. But if you just keep chipping away, then eventually it will turn into something big and you'll be ready for that bigger transformation when it comes.
2: Sure, sure. That's really, really good advice. I think also, you know, I get a lot of uh, feedback here that tells me, you know, from power managers that tell me they're concerned about automation and they're worried about their jobs. Obviously, working in recruitment, we see it, uh, we're analysing the job space all the time. But interestingly, there there was an article by The Guardian quite recently that, that suggested that a study of census results in England and Wales since 1871 found that in every kind of technological revolution if you like um, technology has created more jobs than it's destroyed and the reason for that is ultimately because technology allows businesses to be to be more profitable to have more spending power to grow rapidly and when you grow you need more staff you need more uh, you know people to power that technology to service that technology um, and it allows businesses to expand as well so although people are Concerned that automation may steal my job, which is kind of the the headline news out there. If you're working in payroll, the reality seems to be quite different. And certainly, if we're looking at other businesses that that have automated, and there's a big study by Deloitte on bar staff, for example, and that's a very different profession. Uh, but when they brought in a lot of the uh, the technological advancements in 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 bar work, everyone was worried. But actually, it's resulted in significantly more jobs due to you know restaurants and pubs and everything else being able to expand further and grow and grow quickly. So. You know, for those that are worried, I think there is going to be a change in job role and the responsibilities of the payroll professional will definitely change with it. Um, but there's still always going to need that that manual ex- expertise to, to manage the automation and to, as you've mentioned there, there's always going to be things where if it's discretionary, it needs to manualize anyway. There's always going to be aspects that require that manual expertise. But obviously people, you know, it's worth people getting up to speed and, and getting ahead of the curve in technology and RPA now so that they're better Prepared for, for the transitions later, particularly as as you say, 2020 does become the year of, of transformation. What, what kind of roles do you think we're gonna we're gonna start seeing in the future from a, from a payroll perspective?
0: We've watched it happen in HR, and actually I think payroll are going to be a lot more prepared for this change than HR certainly were. If we go into any HR system project and we start talking about data migration. The only person that typically will sit in that team that understands spreadsheets and how to do data will be the payroll person because they deal with it on a day to day basis. HR hasn't been used to that. So, Excel skills and all those, you know, understanding formulas and those kind of things, it tends to always sit with the payroll person. So, I think they're one step ahead than probably they realize, and they certainly are further ahead than what HR were. So, they definitely, it's not going to take away jobs. I mean, If we look at what's happened in HR, we've got whole teams of HR systems people now. And that's the first thing we say when we go in and we implement a new HR system. My first question is, okay, who's going to manage this when it's in? You can't spend half a million pounds on a new HR system if no one's going to manage it. And you'll need teams of people. So what it's done is it's just changed the roles in HR to be more data-focused and more workflow-based and just process-orientated rather than replace people. It certainly doesn't reduce headcount. But luckily, payroll are already one step ahead with that because they're already of that mindset. So it is just getting used to new technology and different ways of doing things rather than changing their job at all. And of course, like you say, the actual um, knowledge and the experience that they've got is never going to go away. You always need someone to answer the really complicated questions. So they'll be able to do that, which is what they're good at, rather than data entry. We can get rid of that bit.
2: There we go. Reassuring, reassuring words from the Helen Armstrong for those that are concerned. So, last question before we find out a little bit more about you, and that is, you know, being at the forefront of technology at the moment as you are at Silver Cloud, Helen. In your view, do you think current providers are doing enough to meet the needs of payroll professionals and power departments, uh, both now, and do you think, you know, and, and, and how do you see it changing in the future?
0: Yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, I think I think there's a lot of new technology coming onto the market, which is really exciting. I think the challenge that the older providers are going to have is changing their current software to fit with these new demands. We saw it in HR when everything went cloud-based. In HR, you had a lot of on-premise system providers trying to adapt their own software to work in the cloud, and it doesn't always work that way, and you can spot them straight away, whereas a system that's been produced to work in a certain way is going to be much better. So I think we'll gradually see a change of the payroll providers that are um, being shortlisted. I think those that are being built now or have been built in the last two years are more ready for the change. They'll be able to adapt quicker. Some of the longer standing, more traditional um, payroll systems are going to struggle, I think. There's a lot of people looking at global payroll as well. That's really exciting. It's often been a challenge of how to make that work. So we're really excited to follow that trend and see how that's going to to pan out. But I think it's just work in progress. We need to see who's able to um, modernize as quick as we need need to in terms of software vendors. But yeah, I I think we've let businesses down a little bit in terms of what we're able to offer in paywall. No one's been brave enough to change anything. Everyone's just making sure that everything's compliant and it works without thinking, okay, could we be doing this differently? So certainly, I think the technology has held everybody back. Um, but that's going to change and it has to change and it is happening so so it's exciting.
2: Yeah, really exciting and a great way I think to, to finish the first part of the podcast but stay tuned in a moment we're going to find out a little bit more about Helen uh, but after that we are then going to discuss a little bit more about the pay on demand there is a, a, a webinar that you're going to want to stay tuned to find out all about as well so we'll hear more about that uh, and we're going to talk, uh, continue to talk more about digitisation and automation as well. This is just a quick advert to let you know that if you haven't heard the latest payroll song that's doing the rounds and was played recently at the CIPP conference, then you don't want to miss it. It's called My Payroll Career. It's available now on iTunes and Amazon Play, YouTube and other sources as well. If you love payroll like we do, then go check it out. Payroll is changing and the landscape is looking bright. We look to new technologies to show us the light. Chatbots, AI and robotic process automations. Introducing blockchain and other innovations. The fact remains that payroll is essential and critical. Should have governance at a level that is ministerial. Titles changing to become a payroll analytical. Brexit will bring changes too, but hey, let's not get political. You see, I love payroll. And payroll loves me I on my liaison. That was my payroll career available now on iTunes, Amazon Play, YouTube and more. So check it out right. Back to the podcast.
0: Time to find out more about you.
2: Let's find out a little bit more about you, Helen. Outside of your very busy entrepreneurial business, how do you relax in your downtime?
0: Relax. That's an interesting word. So I've got two young daughters, <laughs> um, Elise and Lucia, nine and six. So they keep me busy, but I'm heavily into the gym. I'm a weight trainer, so when I'm not at work, I will be lifting weights of some kind. I try and do it every day. I just think it's amazing for your mental health. Um, so being a business owner, as you know, anyone knows, it's it just doesn't stop. You don't get holidays. You don't get weekends. You don't get time off. So I have an hour of a day where I just um, just knuckle down and just think about myself rather than everything else and I'm also a chair of governors for a primary school so that keeps me busy so there's never a dull moment with that with something interesting going on Um, and I really enjoy doing that I love being in school I love seeing the children Um, it just you know the HR and payroll world is amazing but actually when you see children learning in a classroom it's something quite special so that tends to be how I spend my time yeah I love it. Oh, wow, fantastic. There's a
2: lot of uh, similarities and uh, maybe it's a launch pool or similar sized businesses, um, but I'm pretty much exactly the same. Spent an hour on the turbo before the podcast today. That was my hour that I get every day before the kids go to school. Take the kids to school, which I've got two as well. So similar, um, yeah. And and you know, I'm totally a massive, massive advocate for for fitness and well being. I think um, if anyone's you know has a New Year's resolution where they said they need to do more exercise and they're not feeling great about what they're doing, whether you work in payroll, whether you're listening to this, in whatever you do, uh, you know, give give yourself an opportunity to to start exercising. You'll be amazed at how you know the good it can do for you. So um, stick to those resolutions, and and it's so good for for wellness and well being. So you no. Know, really glad you brought that up because I think it's really, really important at the moment and more people need to do it. So that's a good thing. So for you, Helen, who are the two people who have been the most influential to you in your career?
0: Oh, that's a good question. I had a manager called Meg, Megan O'Keefe, years and years ago in the council. And I, I was, you know, new in my career early then. And this big job came up. It was, you know, a few levels above what I was doing. And, you know, anyone that works in public sector, it's all very levels based. And I remember her just coming up to me and saying, "Why don't you apply for that?" I said, "I couldn't do that. That's way too complicated." She went, "Absolutely, you can do that." Um, And it was just a simple conversation one evening, just as I was packing up. But she just gave me the confidence to actually think, "Well, maybe I can do that," and not, you know, hold myself back because I might not feel that I'm at a certain level. And I honestly will always say, just one of those conversations has set me up in in good stead for not being scared to try something new. And you know, you don't know if you're gonna achieving something unless you give it a go so she really stands out um I had and my first director when I moved to London was a guy called Julian Bishop who now lives in the States but um he was an interesting character um and we got on very very well but the one thing he said to me was about networking and he said whatever you do whatever job you have network and he he took me out of his office and he said all these people here they've all got jobs and you don't know what they are um, and I was an h R manager at the time, and he said, "Go and find out, use your lunch times to find out what all these people do and that has really set me up. It's made me successful in business because I've done so much networking and I'm so intrigued to see what different jobs are out there and I've learned so much that it's just inbuilt in me now, and I think my network has really held me in good stead for for business but also just generally in life um and without that encouragement to go and do that, and for you know your director to say it's okay to go and have lunch with someone, you know, use your time wisely to do that. Um, I think that was really good advice. So I always think back to him too.
2: Fantastic. Well, huge shout outs then to Megan and Julian and definitely the networking piece. You never know where it's going to lead networking. Obviously, through networking, it's led you to uh, being on the podcast with me today. So, um, you know, always, always say yes to an opportunity and you never know which path you'll end down. So uh, I'm glad that you're, you're passionate about it or we may not be talking and I'm, I'm glad that we are. So great news, great advice. Uh, if you could invite three people to a dinner party and they can be dead or alive, who would they be and why?
0: Oh, right now it would be Prince Harry. I'd love to know what was going on there. He would definitely (laughs) be top of my list. Um, Oh, two other people. That's really interesting. Oh, Nick, you're going to have to time to think about that. I don't know. i put
2: you on the spot, haven't I? That's what I've done. Yeah, you have put me on the spot. I'll tell you what, while you have a think about the other two, let me ask you a different question. You can have it in the back of your mind. If you didn't work in payroll and HR, what would you be doing?
0: I would be a teacher. So like I said, I'm a chair of governors and... It's such a tough job, and what, but what they do can be so rewarding. I um, mean, it's so varied. I would love to be a teacher. Um, I mean, often people say to me, if you sold your business, what would you do? And I said, oh, well, I'd just be my chair of governor's well, full time because I love it so much. But actually, I think I probably would like to be a teacher.
2: So we have Harry, Prince Harry, waiting for two guests to arrive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm really young should being put on the spot. Prince Harry, Ed Sheeran would be one mainly because my children really love his songs and they really want to meet him. But he's a local lad for us. So I live um, on the outskirts of Suffolk and he's a Suffolk boy. So it'd be really interesting to meet Ed Sheeran. And I think definitely Boris Johnson. It's a bit political, I know, but he's such an interesting character to me. You can go from loving him to hating him in the same hour. So I, I think he'd be a really interesting contender to have at a dinner party, particularly with Brexit on the horizon.
2: Fantastic. Excellent. It's going to be an interesting, as you say, political but musical party. Fantastic. Well, listen, we're going to jump into a quick advert break. And when we come back, we're going to find out more about digitisation, automation, and of course, a particular webinar that I would like to promote all about pay on demand. So stay tuned.
1: Have you ever asked yourself, how can I recruit payroll staff effectively? Please don't give up on your recruitment project just yet. Here at JDA Payroll Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top payroll talent. We also understand just how costly a poor payroll hire can be. JGA Recruitment are a niche payroll recruitment agency who will partner with you to resource payroll candidates who will improve both the accuracy and efficiency of your payroll department. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more.
0: Five technical questions.
2: Okay, so Helen, I would like to know a little bit more about digitalization and automation, both as we know and as we've discussed already, they're hot topics right now and clearly they're going to play huge roles in the future of payroll. So as the host of the Payroll Podcast, I do think it's important that businesses stay ahead of the technological curve. So with this in mind, what do you think is the next the next main, I guess, technological advancement? And how do you see the future of payroll in just the short period? So this time next year, we're recording the podcast again. What do you think we're going to be seeing?
0: I think real time pay is going to be the thing that we do in the next 12 to 18 months. So this is just basically where you no longer have to press a button to run a payroll, it's running in the background. So it takes away all those you know, monthly, bi-weekly processes of actually setting things up and it's actually running in the background. It's quite a straightforward thing to do if your software allows it, but it's just going to take one major step out of your process and also give employees visibility over what their pay is going to be rather than what it was when they've had it. So I think certainly talking to payroll vendors, this is something that's on all of their roadmaps and something that they're desperately keen to get out as quickly as possible. It's happening a lot in the States. So it's coming here. So I think that's going to be the top of the list of of what's going to change for us in terms of payroll software.
2: Fantastic! And at the moment, well, as I mentioned in the introduction as well um, earlier on in the podcast, the Silver Cloud Company partner with a number of different businesses, and you know your main objective is to help companies to make the right choices for for payroll and also HR and the wider business and its employees as well. So I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit more about the, the payroll services you're currently providing. If I was uh, listening to this podcast and I hadn't come across Silver SilverCloud, but I was interested in either looking at RPA or changing my software or whatever it might be, I know that what you offer is an agnostic service, but I wondered if you could just tell the listeners a little bit more about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So yeah, completely agnostic. What our job is, is, is to come into any company, understand the way that they're currently working, and ask questions to understand where they're going and then provide our knowledge of the world out there and technology to suggest how they can do things better. So um, it's very rarely, you know, we need to make headcount reductions. It's more, we're going to start doing a number of acquisitions or we're going to add more countries or we're going to change the way that we're um, paying people. Can you help us achieve that? Um, so we will come in and we'll use Our um, knowledge to make recommendations, but also use our experience of what we've been doing over the last 10 years of what works and what doesn't. It's very easy to have, like, a payroll software vendor come in and say, you know, this technology is amazing and it's going to change your world. What we'll add to that is, yeah, you know, it might, but actually for you as a business, it's not necessarily going to change in the way that you want it to, or we've seen this done elsewhere and it doesn't quite work, or these are the things that you're going to need to think about. So it's very much a partner. support them through their journey of whatever change it is that they want to make Um, and it's not always bringing technology in sometimes they want to outsource to a bureau so we'll help provide um, some details around who might be the best fit for them so it's kind of any part of the process they might just simply be looking at their processes and saying actually you could do these few things here and that would make things a bit more efficient so it's it's very very varied there's so much opportunity there
2: and I think something that I, I came across in my particularly my conversation with Toby, obviously, is, is some of the that, that, that works for Silver Cloud, uh, who I met at the uh, the Future of Payroll Conference uh, some some time ago. What I thought was really interesting is the level of consultancy is completely bespoke as well. So if I was a business listening to this, maybe I've already gone to tender. Maybe I've narrowed down my suppliers to four or five. But actually, you know, at that when you get to that stage, you often can be hoodwinked that's probably not the word i want to use but you know you are the mercy if you like of the sales teams telling you what will be delivered and sometimes you know they may give you testimonials of suppliers that are using their software but again there may be some bias with the suppliers that that are used because obviously they're they're recommended by the sales teams um but actually this is where it can be a really useful service as well if you needed someone to come in and, and actually say well you know you've got some experience with all of these different providers and you will actually provide that non-biased approach. And it could be a really cost-effective way, I would see it as a uh, manager, if you like, looking at different changes to just have another layer of security to say, okay, I'm leaning towards this solution for these reasons, but I'm worried that you know, maybe I'm not seeing the whole story or maybe I've missed a system somewhere. And that's another service that you provide as well, if I understand correctly. Is that right?
0: Yes, absolutely right. So, so the benefit of us is that not only are we helping people choose software, we're actually implementing it for other customers as well. So when we're in those demos and we're having those conversations with the salespeople, we're listening to what they're saying, but we're also using the knowledge of us implementing it ourselves to know if it's accurate or not. So um, we all know what salespeople are like, and you do have to like take everything they say with a pinch of salt. So we will help through that journey. We will really question things. Um Sometimes we're just a sense check. So, sometimes a customer doesn't necessarily need us. They've done the process themselves, but they just want a final say and just say, okay, am I doing the right thing? Because we're a small consultancy, you know, we can do an hour of consultancy. That's no problem at all, just to sense check things. Um, but another element that's quite important is looking at contracts and benchmarking what you're going to be paying. Obviously, we see a lot of different proposals from vendors. So, we can generally look to see if it looks about the right price or if there's anything that you can do or where other customers have managed to negotiate. So sometimes it will pay for itself to use us to actually do that process. But yes, we're very flexible and we can manage the whole end-to-end process or just be that sense check. That's absolutely fine. What's important to us is that our customers come away and they feel that the right decision's been made because all of our work tends to come from word of mouth. So if we're not doing that, then you know, we'll be out of business. So it's important to us. Sure.
2: And actually, they can get you involved in those, you know, those sales pitches as well, can't you? So you can actually sit at the table with the with the power managers and listen to the sales deliveries and, and and be part of that advisory panel from the client side, which I thought was a really interesting service to provide.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, anyone that's been through a process recently, the dealing with the salespeople is one of the most interesting parts of it. So if nothing else, if we just take away that pain and we're the contact with the salespeople, it saves a lot of time. Paywall managers don't have a lot of downtime. So to spend hours and hours in demos and on the phone with salespeople, it's very rare that they have the time to do that. So yeah, we can we can take away a lot of that process and really just use the people internally to make the decisions rather than have to sit through the through the work that has to be done to get to that point.
2: Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, we'll, of course, put your contact details in the episode notes. So for those that do want to get in touch with Helen or with SilverCloud HR to find out more, take a look at the episode notes. There'll be some direct links there. Now, uh, to jump back into the pay-on-demand subject, it's it's a really popular talking point at the moment. Obviously, we've talked about it a little bit already during the course of this podcast. And I mentioned earlier that last year, I actually hosted a payroll podcast episode with Peter Griffith, who's the CEO at WageStream, who was the first person that really brought brought this concept to market, certainly on the Payroll Podcast anyway. Um, and there's obviously a lot of other solutions now that are starting to follow that trend. What's your personal view on pay on demand? As I believe that, um, well, I know that you've got a webinar coming up as well, which you're hosting on the subject. So i will be really keen to know, A, what your view is on the subject as a whole, and two, what this what this webinar is going to be talking about.
0: Yes, it's something I've been thinking about for years, actually. It's always been amazing to me that you you work and but you can't get your money for all the work that you've done until almost a month later. Um, and I'd had this idea years and years ago. And if I was a software developer, I'd have acted upon it then. But sadly, I'm not. Um, so when the actual um, topic of pay on demand started to come up more recently, it was just so exciting. To me, I've been thinking about it for a long, long time. And it does make complete sense. If you as a worker have put the hours in why can't you get paid um and we're seeing software out there now that will do pay undermine like for me now we've launched it internally i've got an app on my phone and i can see what i've earned to date and i can draw down on that um and why shouldn't i you know i've earned it already so it makes complete sense the problem we've had is that technology hasn't been there to support that process and hmrc obviously needs to be informed about any payments that are made so it's only just now that software is available to allow us to do that. And HMRC are still informed before any payments have been made to an employee. So it's compliant. Um, so I think it's really exciting. And and if you think in terms of how businesses run, if you were, say, a care home, for example, when you were trying to fill a last-minute shift, it's going to be a lot easier to find someone to fill that shift if they know they might get paid the following day than if they know they've got to wait for two weeks or four weeks to actually get that money. Um, and it just takes, it just gives employees a lot more engagement with their pay. You know, it's its its just allowing them to access what they need. And financial well-being is a topic that's been talked about a lot in HR teams. You know, we're, we're focusing on mental health, but financial stress is actually one of the biggest triggers, particularly for men um, with their mental health issues. And, you know, if we can allow employees to have more control about when they get paid, then hopefully it will help towards that element as well. Um, and now technology is available, you know, we can really start doing this. It's quite exciting. Now,
2: I'm not not a payroll processing professional. Obviously, I'm 20 years in payroll recruitment, so we kind of get a lot of feedback, but I'm I'm not at the, uh, you know, at the user end of things. And I have heard some feedback in relation to pay on demand for some people that have been implementing it. And there've been a few issues in relation to, or challenges, shall I say, in relation to how pay on demand works, um, in relation to RTI and national minimum wage. So, Have you come across any problems with those two elements at all? And and are things being done to to resolve those issues?
0: Yes, they are being done to resolve them. So I think there were some early um, innovators out there that were offering pound demand that hadn't quite thought through that RTI, HMRC, national minimum wage thing. The, The payroll company that we've used, they do... Think about that. And they are compliant. And that's something that we obviously had to check. But you do need to be very careful. And this is sometimes why using a consultancy can be useful, because if you're not asking those questions, you might not necessarily know. Um, but I think there were, like you say, some early adopters that kind of jumped a bit too soon and hadn't figured out the answers to that. So it is important that you cover those things off.
2: And is is it still And again I'm not a payroll expert This is just feedback That I I took on the subject So I thought I'd raise it And you you may or may not Know the answers But I know that there were Initially some issues as well That in the sense that Any drawdown Apparently any drawdown Has to be reported Before it's paid Or it's a -A PAYE failure Um I don't know if, if, if if, again, software starting to adjust for that. I know there were some issues with universal um, tax credits as well. So, are all those kind of early issues, if you like, that perhaps weren't being considered because of the legislation in Paywall and because of the the complexity of its compliance? It's complicated. I think obviously some of these issues were potentially overlooked at the start. But are we starting to overcome some of those those challenges now?
0: We are, yes, we are, and certainly the system we're using internally it does inform HMRC before anyone gets any money, so it's completely compliant. But I think it depends who's building the software. So we know the person that owns the company we're using was an ex-payroll person. So they're going to know their stuff. And we see it across all payroll and HR systems. Sometimes we see things in demos and you think, who has designed that? It's certainly not an HR or a payroll person. And you can imagine a team of young developers thinking, oh, that's a good idea, and not actually realizing there's a compliance issue off the back of it. But it's going to be slow, but we'll get there. We will get there. But... You know, payroll managers do need to be asking those questions. Don't just assume that everything is compliant just because you're seeing it on the screen in front of you.
2: Yeah, fantastic. I mean, really important and fantastic advice. And obviously, hopefully, I'm assuming that some of this is going to be covered in your upcoming webinar.
0: Yes, absolutely. We'll cover it all. Questions to ask. It's very important. When's the webinar due to go live? Uh, which we haven't fixed a date as yet, but you can register on our website. I think hopefully you can send a link out for us, and then as soon as the date is released, we will send that out. Um, as with anything, everything has to be on demand. So if people can't attend that date, they'll just get a recording afterwards. But yeah, register on the website.
2: I'll make sure there's a link. So for those that are interested in pre-registering, take a look at the episode notes and I'll make sure I include the links so you can pre-register for the pay-on-demand webinar with Silver Cloud. there straight away. Now, almost to the end before we open the vault, um, I wanted to mention this because it's something that I've been quite keen to champion through the payroll podcast myself. And it's something that I think in, in the payroll industry, there's a lot of examples of, which is... I guess uh, you know, women entrepreneurs and women business owners in payroll is probably more common in this industry than, than in some others. I know obviously SilverCloud HR with yourself Helen is a woman-led business and I know that you're very committed to supporting women in technology so I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about you know what you're hoping to achieve and what you've been doing to, to really promote uh, supporting women in, te- in tech.
0: Yes it's, it's a- Topic I'm very passionate about. Um, I think one of the biggest things that we've certainly found is useful is to offer the flexibility. It's not just women that need flexibility at home. There's a lot of dads that are parents as well now, so it's it's not just a women um, issue. But for us, for us, what we do is everyone works from home. They have their contract hours and they can work them when they like. So as long as the job gets done, I don't mind when they're doing it. It's about outputs, not inputs, and I think that really helps people manage their home lives. And allow women, certainly in our business, to have employment and meet all the demands of home and life and all the other things they have to fit in—going to the gym, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's really important to us. Um, and I think as well, just being out there and and saying, you know, you can do it. There's so many support mechanisms in place now, and actually, technology really supports women in business. So. I've streamlined how I do my food shopping and my to-do lists and, you know, all those other kind of things. I use technology to help me in my day-to-day life, um, which just frees up time and then allows us to fit in everything that we want to do. But it is a topic I'm very passionate about. But I think one of the key things is flexibility, um, but also women having the confidence that absolutely they can just go and do whatever they want now. You can be a parent and be a business owner or a woman in business, whatever you want to be. There's nothing holding us back anymore.
2: Yeah. And you mentioned tech there. Obviously, tech is supporting those home working initiatives as well. You can, we can log in online now. There's so many sort of remote working pieces of kit that we can utilize. We use them here at JJ Recruitment as well. So, um, you know, we're just starting to test some of that, some of that software for ourselves. And um, I know from meeting um, your, your colleague, Toby, because um, he lives in Tidmouth, and I'm in Exmouth, so we're, we're oh, near Timmer, so we're not a million miles away in Devon. And it was so strange to actually meet remotely. And I was like, oh, I just made the assumption that all of you guys are in London, but actually you, mo- all of your employees are fully remote, which I think is fantastic.
0: Yes, all of us. I mean, and the other thing for us as a business is it keeps the cost down because we don't have a big office to service, um, but also it keeps our spread wider so that when we've got a client, say up in Scotland or down southwest, you know, we can meet those needs as well. So it works both ways.
2: Exciting time! So, last question before we open the vaults, and that is: obviously, you've grown to, to eighteen staff now. You you've you've moved into to payroll services as well, with a, with the recruit of a, a new payroll bureau manager and offering that pay on demand service. What is next for Silver Cloud?
0: We want to do more of what we're doing well. I think we did our strategy day at the beginning of uh, twenty twenty, and did our usual SWOT analysis. One of the opportunities is definitely payroll. We're focusing on payroll. That is going to be our focus certainly for the next 12 months um, and beyond. So we want to do more in that space and do more projects relating to payroll Um, and just have a wider reach, really. There's still a lot of companies out there, I think. They think they can't afford consultancy. and We work with a lot of small companies. Some only have 25 employees, and we're really passionate about providing our service to every spe- end of the spectrum. So we're putting together some SME packages just to help people through the, the process of HR and payroll digitization. Um, so it's definitely growth is, is the plan for us and just connecting with more and more customers really.
2: Fantastic. Well, it sounds like you've got a fantastic business offering a great service and you really got your finger on the pulse of, of new tech. So uh, I think it's been amazing. Let's open the vault.
0: Entering the vault.
2: One piece of advice you would give to someone working in payroll
0: right now? Uh, um, One piece of advice. Um, Get excited about the technology. Start researching it, see what's out there um, and, and start reading up so you can start preparing for it. It's very exciting.
2: If you had the power of foresight and you could change the entire payroll industry with one action or improvement, what would that action or improvement be?
0: well obviously automate the whole process that's what I'd like so that payroll managers are actually providing advice rather than actually doing the processing
2: excellent that perfect in hindsight what's the one thing you now know that you wish you had known when you began your career
0: oh um I think um with hindsight definitely to be more brave I think sometimes we hold ourselves back because we just assume something can't be done or you can't make a change I've never ever been in a business and said why don't we change this and someone said no So I think it's being more brave about change. Change is the future and anyone that's good at change tends to do well in their careers. So it's being brave around that.
2: Excellent. Love that. And last question in the vault. What's the most common reason you come across for businesses failing when it comes to providing a robust payroll service?
0: Quality of data. And it's often not led from the payroll team. It's coming from HR. We still have a lot of HR teams that are really not good at Um, auditing and managing their data quality. Um, So that's the one thing I think HR can certainly do better at. It's being 100% accurate in what they're providing to payroll.
2: Fantastic. And that just about brings us to a close. Helen, thank you so much for joining on the payroll podcast. I don't know where the time has gone. It seems to have flown by, but some critical subjects that are real hot topics that we managed to discuss today. If people are listening, obviously I will put links in the episode notes. Are there any particular links you would like to highlight online where people can connect with yourself?
0: Um, Just connect with us on our website. You can see what services we offer or I'm always willing to connect with people on LinkedIn. So find me on LinkedIn. It's always really nice to have a big network on there. Fantastic.
2: I'll include the link uh, if you are interested in getting there straight away before accessing the episode notes and you can go to silvercloudhr.co.uk. I will, of course, put the uh, pre-register link for the pay-on-demand webinar on the episode notes as well, along with Helen's LinkedIn profiles. If you are interested, check those episode notes and you can go direct to those links. Of course, it... I must just mention while I've got you all listening to the end of this podcast if you do have a payroll related vacancy that you need some support with and you want to work with a payroll specialist who's got over 20 years in the industry please do get in touch with me directly at nick at jgarecruitment.com or you can give myself or any of my excellent team a call on 01727 377 that just about closes us up so thank you ever so much for listening everyone I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the payroll podcast real soon and a huge huge thank you to Helen strong today for joining us and sharing such excellent content it's been an absolute pleasure and i'll speak to you all again real soon
1: thank you so much for tuning into the payroll podcast with nick day of jga recruitment if you need help with a current payroll vacancy then please get in touch with nick and his team all contact details can be found in the episode notes in the meantime to make sure you never miss a future episode Please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.